Congratulations! You found it! The most inappropriate book club you never knew you were missing! Starring the original book divas Martha Steele and Vonnie Golden. And also featuring Megan Runyon, YA superfan. Pat Greiner, she has the head of an English major and the heart of a sci-fi nerd. Rachel Young, a true crime goddess. These people are passionate about books. Maybe a little too passionate. Plotting world domination one book at a time. They are three book girls. How is everybody? Happy second spooky week. Yeah, Halloween is closing in. It is. For those who remember that voice, that's Rachel with us today. Hey. Had to come back for at least one spooky season show. Wouldn't be a spooky season without a little true crime. That's right. That's true. Bonnie is crocheting, so I feel like she's half listening to what we're talking about. <laughs> no, I'm listening. I just don't. I like the color that you're making the pumpkin, though. That's pretty. Martha made fun of it. She's you're crocheting me. a pumpkin? It's a pattern that I'm trying, but I don't have any orange, so I'm making it yellow. There are yellow pumpkins. Yeah. Exactly. See, I like that, too. I'm not so much of an orange person, so, like, I like reds and yellows, and I don't mind a little bit of orange, but even if I'm gonna buy a pumpkin to put on the front porch. I love a white pumpkin. Yeah, or... the white ones are cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. I wish I had some like a cream color, like this, the speckly white. I would make one like that, but I don't have any of that color. I'm trying to use yarn that I have before I go buy more yarn. Yeah. And it's very difficult because I want to go buy more yarn. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys see the picture that I think it was Farah, either Phyllis or Farah, one of our our Oregon sisters put up of her pumpkin on the front porch that had been attacked by squirrels. Yes. Oh. It made me think of have um I know I don't know if you TikTok Rachel. I know you do, yes. Megan. Have you seen the TikToks that they have where they let the chickens peck out the face of the pumpkin? Yes. No. Yeah. I'm gonna have to find that. <laughs> Yes. It made me think of that. I was kind of like, well, well, that's the difference between squid chickens and a squirrel. squirrel Do armadillos has- go after pumpkins? Because I feel like if they did, that my neighborhood would have no pumpkins. Because we have a pesky little armadillo in the neighborhood right now who's making his or her presence known by tearing up everybody's gardens. Oh, no. That is, I've never heard that phrase before. We have an armadillo in the neighborhood. It's not something you hear in Wyoming. It's, I think that's <laughs> Oklahoma and further south. Well, and they're not even native to Oklahoma. They like migrated up from Texas and stuff. And so they don't have any like natural predators. So they, once they're here, they're just everywhere. They're just here. I have never seen an armadillo in all the years I've lived in Texas. Oh, well, I come up here. We, the, my, we only learned this because my friend had told my mom, like, it only, the only good armadillo is a dead armadillo. And we're like, why? And she's like, because they're not native and they're invasive and they tear shit up. <laughs> like, they're not hurting anything. You leave that armadillo alone. He's tearing up my mom's garden. And I don't like hearing her complain about the garden getting torn up. <laughs> hey, he just wants salad. It's fine. <laughs> right? He's trying to be healthy. Gosh. <laughs> Go so be that actually a size ceramic armadillo. And I had friends who had two dogs and one of them would walk into my house and he would like fixate on that armadillo, do the full hunting dog, like point and focus on it. And we said, no, sniff it, stay ceramic, inanimate. And he'd be, okay, fine. He'd turn around. Five minutes later, he'd walk into that room again and go, armadillo, I see one. (laughs) You know, the fact that the armadillo is eating from your mom's garden, that I mean, that would probably then maybe correlate to they would maybe eat a pumpkin if they're, I don't know if they're vegetarian or yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. Herbivore, omnivore, I'm not sure yeah, what they are. I should, but... I should Google, do armadillos eat pumpkin? Well, they're not very <laughs> fast, assume. so I don't think they're carnivores. I don't think they're, you know, killing cats or anything for dinner. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Are they considered... Are they considered, obviously they wouldn't be carnivorous, but if they were omnivores, would that, I mean, Unless would that Maybe they eat like that? bugs and stuff. Yeah, that was yeah, my that question. Could be. Like, are they omnivores if they eat bugs? Probably. Because I guess you wouldn't technically be an herbivore if you ate bugs. Let's and, see. This says, what do armadillos eat? I don't know what they eat. I bet they eat some kind of bug or something. I would think so, but Vani's right. They're definitely not carnivores. <laughs> no. Oh, if you eat, if they eat bugs, that would be, and if they ate only bugs, 
that would be it, carnivorous. It says their favorite food is insects. Does it say if they're like an omnivore or carnivore? Or? They're quite fond of vegetable matter and love to eat delicate leaf roots. Plant matter makes up 8% of the armadillo's diet. They enjoy eating all sorts of vegetables such as lettuce, leafy greens, and pumpkin. So they do eat pumpkins. They there eat fruits go. and berries in the wild that they find it. So basically they'll just eat anything that's on ground level. <laughs> huh, interesting. Uh, that maybe what's drawing them in. Like so many people have pumpkins out. It might've kind of drawn the, the smell of them. Maybe yeah, drew them into maybe. the neighborhood. It says they are omnivores, which means they eat meat and plants, but 90% of their diet is insects and larvae. So it could be go. good to have them around because they eat the bugs, but then they yeah. also eat all your plants. Yes. Do people keep them as pets? Or is there such a thing as a pet? I don't think I that's don't illegal. Know. No. I don't, um, think illegal. I don't think so. I'm pretty sure I watched a, a documentary that said that armadillos carry leprosy. Oh, so nice. It's we not have really talked about this. good uh, for, like, you know, to play with the armadillos, maybe. <laughs> You're... I do feel like they're a good spooky animal, though. Like, if you've never seen an armadillo and one, like, crossed your path on Halloween, you'd be like, what the hell? Yeah. Giant yeah. roly-poly on legs was that? Uh-huh. And then if you play with it, you, like, basically turn into a zombie because it gives you leprosy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be bad news, bears. They're not the most fun creature probably to have around, kind of like a possum or an opossum, but they're super good to have around, too, because they eat tons of rodents and bugs. and yeah. And possum, they're Im immune from like rabies, I think, and they eat ticks. That's why a lot of people like them. Yes. Which, ugh. <laughs> they are cute, yeah, they except for the tail. The tail, the tail gets me every time. Yeah, it's like a gigantic yeah. rat. Like, yeah. Talk about Halloween worthy. I saw one crossing the street a couple weeks back because it was dark when I was going to work. And you're right, they're not. They're not terrible looking, but then when you get to the tail, it's like, man, I can't yeah. see yeah. on that. No. <laughs> Take that tail somewhere else. The rest of you cute when you look up at us, but the rest yeah. of it not. The next one we, we need to get the zoologist go. working on is breeding a bushy-tailed possum. There we go. <laughs> They're terrifying though because they hiss. Like when yeah. they're yeah. angry, like mm, please don't. Kind of like when the geese hiss at you, it's like oh no, stop. Ugh, I don't love a goose. No, <laughs> say that. Much. I've been chased by so many when I lived in Culver on the lake because they just hung out on the lake year round. I feel like, and you'd be like riding on your bike like between the parts of campus along the lakefront, and you're just like, how fast can I pedal? How fast can I pedal? Like. And you just hear the geese like hissing at you and like they chase you. It was very traumatizing. Yeah. And they are not afraid of humans. You can't no. just shoo them off because I know there was a bunch of geese one time, the Canadian geese, like right next to where I park my car at work. There's like a, you know, a little grass patch with a tree and they were all just right there eating grass and sitting down and stuff. And they just looked at me when I was walking to my car. I'm like, just get in my car. Not going to mess with you. <laughs> Don't come over here. <laughs> you you know who would appreciate all of these creatures? Hagrid. R.I.P. Oh. Hagrid. I know. Hagrid yeah. was one of my favorite characters. Rodney Coltrane yesterday for our Harry Potter fans. Raise your wands. <laughs> I was sad. I came back from lunch and like logged on to the internet and pulled up CNN and like it was the headline. I was like, Hagrid died while I was at lunch? Like what? Traumatizing. Sad day for the wizarding world was one of those secondary characters that wasn't supposed to be as popular as what he turned out to be, but everybody loves Hagrid. Yes. So he, I think they ended up, they should have done more stuff for him, but they underestimated how much everybody would love him. So I went to the mall this morning and I immediately went in places that carried Funkos and I was like looking for Hagrid because I was like, his Funkos are going to get hard to find now. Did you find one? No. Dang it. I was like, this is the best day ever. <laughs> so... But I, I do have like mini Hagrids in my Lego sets. I just don't have like a bigger Hagrid. Uh, I was sad. You could find one on online somewhere. Oh yeah, I got on Amazon and looked. They're like going for $50 on Amazon already. Whew, 
That and I was like, long. yeah, I don't, I don't, I'll find one eventually. <laughs> but do also, they have a Funko of Angela Lansbury? That was know, our other big loss. Yeah, <laughs> they should. The Queen has one, so I feel like Angela oh. Lansbury should have one. This weekend, I, I was thinking about watching Bedknobs and Burton Sticks because that was one of my favorite movies as a kid with her in it. I don't know if a lot of people know that movie or not. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's old, old, but... That was a good movie. We watched that a lot when I was little. That's that's our three. We had the Queen and Angela Lansbury and Robbie Coltrane. What was a contestant? from i don't i don't watch a lot of those like singing shows but there is a young i think he died in a car accident american idol i think i saw something right? like that yeah oh, so, that, was... so really that like makes four so that means we got two well, the queen was a <laughs> queen was a couple weeks ago so i'm not i'm not sure she i don't know how what the time limit is but yeah she might qualify for this set <laughs> maybe she, she was the three like in her own set they were like yeah. no this is too big she's got to be by herself yeah there's like a tiktok audio that's like don't take unnecessary journeys don't go into the water <laughs> and everyone started doing it with like mag um, maggie smith they're like mcgonagall yeah. they're like don't take unnecessary journeys like stay inside bonnie's put her pumpkin down it looks like yeah i don't know the next step i have to look up the directions and it's on youtube i can't do that on zoom Unless you guys want to sit there and listen to the guy from the crochet crowd talk to me. (laughs) Anybody else ready for like dry skin season way too early? Because, oh my God, I swear. Like I need to just dip myself in a vat of lotion. I am so not ready for winter. But I found a lotion by Vaseline that it's for hands, but it's also good for your nails. Yeah, Uh, I used to use that all the time. But it seems like... The only one I can find is like the really huge one and Vaseline lotion. Sometimes if you don't use it fast enough, it starts to get watery. It, it does. like breaks down. Yeah. yeah. So I have a, a vino oatmeal Ooh. lotion on my I've desk. Because that. that's where I do my most, most of my lotioning is at work. I shave my legs and wear capris. Then I go, Ooh, <laughs> look at that dry skin. Yes, dry dry skin season is here and all the good smells of pumpkin candles and things are here. Yeah, but the cooler weather is here and I am ready for that. It's 90 outside, Bonnie. Did you go outside today? But tomorrow is supposed to be like 60. Because it's going to be awesome tonight. I'm okay with the storms if it brings the cool weather. Yeah. I'm a I'm I'm weirded out by the absence of cool weather because, I mean, it's the middle of October and I have never had things in my garden still growing. We usually are getting snow in Wyoming by at least a little by the end of September. Yeah. And I'm just looking around going, well, I hope we have some water by next year. (laughs) Yeah, the drought is bad. But I'm so ready for the weather to be and for the freaking electric bills to go down. Yes. They're killing yeah. me with these utility bills, man. My coworker has enabled my candle buying because she told me about the Bath and Body Works app. Oh, yeah. I get notifications for Bath and Body Works every time they have a sale. One of these days they're going to have a sale when I have money. Because, like, right now they have buy two, get two candles free. That's what I just did the other day. I'm yes. <laughs> oh, man. I so want some of these candles. I love Bath and Body Works candles. They I was smell in my so office, good. Like, you know what? I don't need more candles, but you know what I'm going to buy? More candles. <laughs> and I like their their lotion is, you have to be careful with what kind of lotion you get because their scents are strong. Yeah. And mm-hmm. if I get anything that's like a berry scent, it bugs me halfway through the day. And I have to like, you know, douse myself with alcohol to try to get the scent to go away. <laughs> Don't yeah. lie. We know you're going and boozing it up at lunch and you're trying say, to blame the lotion. You use scotch or gin. Or- <laughs> Vodka doesn't stain the clothes. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I keep at work. So, you know, you know, got to have that. Emergency. With anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all, we, I feel like that should just be a le- like allowed. Like you should be allowed to have a secret alcohol in your bottom drawer for just like moments when you just need. Like, just a smidge. Like, <laughs> listen, I'm not going home for at least two hours, so I could have a shot and it would be okay. You're like, I have to deal with these people. I need a drink to do so. <laughs> what if you What if you work with alcoholics and addicts, though? I mean, you wouldn't <laughs> want to do it in front of your patients. Yeah, that's why you keep yeah. it in the bottom drawer. <laughs> Maybe you lock like the a drawer. Box. Yeah. yeah, lock it. 
maybe. I even, um, I won't use the hand sanitizer that the hospital provides because, I mean, we all know what that smells like and it smells like alcohol. I bring scented stuff from Bath and Body Works to try Mm -hmm. to mask it because I feel so bad because I'm like, oh, I don't want to like trigger, although they use it and they're fine. But so I try to like find little things that I just don't love. Like that stuff dries your hands out so much. It does. Bath and Body Works actually makes like a, uh, antibacterial like lotion it's like a super super light lotion but oh. it's also like their antibacterial gel and they make it in the um that eucalyptus scent oh i love it mm-hmm. yeah love it i have frosted coconut on my desk at work right now salem city council advises visitors not to come to the city on a whim this october the you city can imagine is, they get pretty busy the, yeah I the first say. nine days of october the city has seen a hundred thousand more people this year compared to this time last year that's crazy. Is that just the, because the pandemic is eased up or? Probably. That's got to be good for them, though. They probably yeah. need to recoup some of that for tourism after the yeah. last couple of years. The Salem Witch Museum director says it's busier than it's been in the 40-year history of the haunted happenings. We've been selling presentations out in September. Normally, we don't do that. So people are just traveling to Salem. I wonder if the new Hocus Pocus coming out helped that, too. It probably did. That was so good. I, I'm i one of the people, like, I love the original Hocus Pocus, and I will always be an original fan, but yes. I liked the, the second one. I, I loved I the, the girl who was the main. She was so good. But fun fact, the little girl who played young Winifred, she's from Amarillo. Really? There's a theater here called the Amarillo, Amarillo Little Theater, and she has been you know in plays and stuff since she was little and she's still a little younger but yeah she's from Amarillo. she was perfect to yeah, play she was little winifred like she just had the right sass and the right like yeah she was so good i i thought the movie was good i know some people always find something to hate about on it but as a fan of hocus pocus i thought it was good i'll watch it again oh i've watched it several times since the first day well, and then I laughed because, you know, like when they're like, everyone's like, what's a virgin? And the guy like lies. He's like someone who's never lit a candle. But someone I know from the regional food bank was like, yeah, so now my kids are running around their house being like, I'm a virgin. I'm a virgin because I've never lit a candle. Oops. <laughs> that is a hard thing. Like how, I mean, I don't have kids. I don't know how I would address that. But like for the parents in the room, how do you address it with your kids? Like. I don't know. The, the one, person, the one did. parent in the room. <laughs> well, Vonnie, dude, no. <laughs> well, because in the first one, they never really explained it. They just kept saying, "Well, the virgin lit the candle." Yeah. Like they never really explained what, even though they said it like fifteen times, they never explained what that was. If you didn't know, to answer that, you um tell them the truth, but be as vague as possible, depending on their age, unless they ask you more questions. And then you just, sometimes you just got to get into it, man. Cause I mean, I never, when Tyler asked me questions like that, I never lied to him. I always told him, but I told him in a very scientific kind of way so that. It wasn't like something he was going to go tell all of his friends. Exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Watching the news one time they were talking about, and this was when he was little. So this is before same sex marriages were legal in Oklahoma and they were trying to get it legalized. And so they were talking about it on the news and he's like, mama, what's a lesbian? Well, honey, that's like, you know how like mom and dads love each other and get married? Well, it's when two girls love each other and want to get married. And that was good enough for him. He didn't ask me any more questions. Yeah. Because, yeah, that does happen in there in the movie. So yeah. that has to be tough as a parent. <laughs> like when they ask you those questions, like, ah, oh, shit, <laughs> we have to address this. <laughs> They're like, thanks, Disney. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Bonnie, do you have any witches in your book this week? Well, yes, I do have witches in my book this week, Megan. We need like a witch sound. (laughs) What's a little cackle? (laughs) Martha Martha does that witch cackle. Oh, Oh, that's pretty good, Bonnie. That was pretty good, Bonnie. (laughs) Just channeling my inner witch. So I read The Devil's End by D.A. Fowler. I thought this book was going to be a lot more culty than what it was, but it still ended up being really good. It's a book about witches who died 70 years ago and they're buried in the cemetery. 
And of course, there's lots of tall tales and everything about these witches that are in the cemetery. So all of the teenage kids go party at this cemetery, this old cemetery every year in Halloween. And uh, two girls who are in high school, they're kind of popular, wealthy, beautiful, you know, like the mean girls. They decide they're going to go in and they're going to break into the vault of these dead witches so that they can see the bodies. And they go up there and one of them chickens out and the other one goes up to the vault and opens the vault and goes in, but the bodies are gone. However, her spell book or her journal is there, or I think they call it her memoirs. Her memoirs are there and she takes the memoirs along with this like super smelly cape. And after this happens, strange things start happening in town. Like um, there's this one teacher that gives these two girls a really hard time and gives them detention a lot and everything else. And just kind of an asshole teacher. And all of a sudden he has like this heart attack or stroke or something in the office when he's supposed to be going to give them in-school suspension. And he all of a sudden drops down and goes into a coma and it goes to the hospital. And then other things start happening. Like one of the girls, her boyfriend has really bad acne and they go like to this place and like she does this ritual and kills a rabbit and his acne clears up. The next day he wakes up and he has no zits. And then stranger and stranger things happen in this town. And also while all of this is happening, there's a family that moves into town and they're new and there's a teenage girl and their next door neighbor is a single mother with a high school boy. And this high school boy is um, slow. He still goes to high school and everything. So he's not slow enough to have to go to a special school, but you can definitely tell that he's different. Like he has some uh, deformities, but he's also super tall and super big. Like he's, they call him a gentle giant because he never fights back or anything. But then all of a sudden, after they find this book, he starts fighting back and he kind of plays a big role throughout this book. I don't want to say what exactly he does, but his mother is not the nicest person in the world and is mean to him often. And she kind of gets what's coming to her. Eventually, it like turns into demon possession. And so not just these girls, but other people in the town start getting possessed by these demons. And then other things start happening. And then it's basically the demons are trying to get this witch resurrected. It gets stranger and stranger as the book goes on. And by the end of it, it is super strange. And let me tell you, this is not a YA novel. There is a lot of gory and strange sex in it. So I would not recommend this for a child at all. But yeah, it was, it, and it ended, op- it ended open. So like they could make another book of this if they wanted to, because it does, it definitely does not end on a bow, but it still has a good ending. It's not like a super cliffhanger, but This was a great Halloween read. It has a very scary pumpkin face on the front of it, along with, you know, the old cemetery. And it's strange and gory, has lots of demons and witches and people doing rituals. And if it was a movie, it would definitely have to be um, not even rated R. It would have to be like mature audiences only or like Like NC-17. Like, (laughs) I don't even think any NC-17. This would be not rated. (laughs) This would be, whew, there was parts in it that I was going, holy shit. I don't even think it would be like Megan Blushes because it was so off the rails. Oh no. That it would be like five Megan holy shits. But it was really good. I, I enjoyed it. It was a good book. I was kind of worried when I first started reading it because it starts out really slow and I'm thinking, okay, this is going to be a teenage, teenage slasher book because they're all in high school, but it got really mature, really fast. And that again is called the devil's end by DA Fowler.
you want to reach something super wicked strange but it's not like fantasy or anything but it's definitely weird definitely that sounds good that sounds like something i'd like to read yeah it was i mean it was good cool yeah uh i guess right so my book, I was kind of fangirling through the whole thing, and I actually read it in one day. <laughs> it was oh, wow. just that good. So the author of this book is actually the co-host of another of a popular podcast called Morbid. And so it's a debut novel, and it's called The Butcher and the Wren by Elena Urquhart. So in this book, our main character is Wren, who is um, a medical examiner. And one of the things I really liked about this book is its dual point of view. So it's it's most uh, most often chapters switch off between Wren, our main character, and the killer in this book. One of the things that I personally enjoyed about it as well is the author writes the medical examiner really well because by trade, she is an autopsy technician. So if you love a, and it's a fiction book, but if you love a book that has some gory details, but also is very accurate, um, this book will definitely satiate that need for you. Also, I know for me, one of the, the things that freaks me out the most in a book is not only being inside the killer's head, but anything to do with sort of being outside or in the woods, especially at night. And there were a couple scenes in this book that have have those scenes in them that were just so anxiety producing for me. Uh, and like I said, I read this in one day. So it was, I started at, I want to say about 6.30 in the morning and listened to it pretty much all day. And even it being daylight, I was like, okay, I can't do this. I can't do this. (laughs) I mean, so she does a great job of, and it's sort of this cat and mouse type thing going on, right? Because we have medical examiner, obviously she's looking at bodies and we're trying to figure out who's doing what. And I'll say she writes, she writes a killer really well too, very twisty. um, And there were a couple twists that came up in the book that I was like, okay, didn't see that coming. One thing that I like too, she was a she's a very likable character, the Ren in the book, and it is open for a sequel. So I'll say this: I wasn't I wasn't unsatisfied with the ending, but I definitely need there to be a second book within this because I need some revenge or something <laughs> within this. So, but it was so, so good. And one of the things uh, I hate, I hate a slow burn. I don't want to go into something and have it like build up. And this from, from the jump was action and like moving. And it was so, so good. And like I said, uh, I, I read it in a day. I actually bought it on audible and have the hard copy and I just, I can't wait for more. And like I said, I was probably a little bit of a fangirl because I do listen to the podcast from from the author, but I would 100% recommend it if you, now it is super gory and it does like have some trigger warnings and other things in it. But if psych thriller and some horror is, is your game, then this book is definitely for you in the spooky season. Uh, and again, that was The Butcher and the Wren by Elena Urquhart. That sounds really good. I've listened to Morbid a couple of times. It is, well, and like Bonnie was talking about the cover of her book, the cover of this book is one of the reasons I had to have the hard copy. It is the creepiest cover. It's like this bloody eye and you can see the silhouette of the killer in in the eyeball. It's, just, it's so, so good. It was so I'm, good. I am literally looking it up right now. <laughs> that sounds wicked. Yeah, that's a cool cover. You all will see it when we post it on our socials. Or you can do yes. it yourself right now. But yeah, that's a really <laughs> cool cover. I think, is Pat next? I can go next. Are you going to go last, Megan? You uh, taking the last spot? Taking the, Hey, we're just going in the same order we always go in. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm just kidding. The blonde hey, has could, to go last. The blonde, I have to be last. <laughs> <laughs> or Pat can go last, and I, it doesn't matter to me. Not, no, not blonde I was, enough. No. <laughs> I was just joking with you, Megan. I don't I care. Know, I know. <laughs> so I read a book called All the White Spaces by Allie Wicks. I really thoroughly enjoyed this one, uh, in part because 
it has a tie into a book that I reviewed a couple of months ago called Endurance, which is a nonfiction book about an expedition to Antarctica. All the White Spaces is a horror story that's set on an Antarctic expedition. But there's a whole lot more going on than just the horror story, which is why I really liked it. At the beginning of the book, you meet the main character, whose name is Joe, and she is just dealing with the news that her beloved two older brothers have been killed in World War I. And the family is, of course, devastated. One of the things that they had looked forward to, thinking that they would survive the war, was that they were going to go on this Antarctic expedition. And Joe decides that since they can't go, she feels that there's a force, a drive pushing her to go on this expedition. And so with the help of a guy named Harry, who was one of her two brothers' best friends and also a good friend of hers, she disguises herself as a boy and stows away on the ship. Harry gets himself taken on as a regular crew member. And Joe, who is now known as Jonathan, hides in the ship until it is far enough on its way to Antarctica that they can't turn around to put her off without losing too much valuable time. The parallel to Shackleton's expedition is really marked there because he also had a stowaway on the expedition. It was kind of like, if you're going to pick the worst ship in the world to stow away on, it's one that's going to get stuck in the Antarctic in about 1917 when there's not even a radio to call for help. So Jonathan is our stowaway. And when it's revealed, first of all, let me say that there are three sources of tension in this book. It's it might not be Rachel's book because the horror story on it is a very slow burn. The horror story takes a, takes its time to develop, but the book is not dragging because you have two other sources of tension. One is whether or not the rest of the crew will find out that Jonathan was born female. And the other is simply Antarctic expeditions, do they survive the cold back then? Because their ship, like Shackleton's, gets caught in the ice, gets uh, disabled. It doesn't get crushed like Shackleton's. It burns in the, and they're forced onto the ice and have to make their way to the remnants of a camp that was set up by a German expedition that had been lost two years earlier. So you've got, you've got man against the elements. You've got tension in, will they find out Jonathan's secret? And then gradually on top of this is the growing horror that some force out there keeps drawing people from the camp and drawing them out into nothingness, out into where they're gonna freeze to death. One or two of them come back frostbitten and on the verge of death. Others of them just disappear into the Antarctic wilderness. So even though the horror story is a slow burn, there's so much going on in here. And what really for me was an education in this book was the fact that my first thought was sooner or later, they're gonna find out that Jonathan used to be Joe, I assume Josephine, it never does call her by her, by her full name, but that really, and this is, this is a tiny bit of a spoiler, but I think it's important to say this, the story doesn't become and the, uh, whether or not Jonathan is going to be found out. What the story really is about is Jonathan learning who he really is and coming into his own, discovering it's not a girl pretending to be a boy. Jonathan discovers that he really should be a boy or a man. And so I would say if anyone out there knows a, a trans man or, no, or is a trans man, they might find this a particularly fascinating read and one that doesn't focus on will they be found out, but focuses on the process and the joy of discovering and becoming who you really were meant to be. So there's that element to it, as well as the survival in the Antarctic and this gradual creeping horror that they have to deal with. And between those three, those three subsets of the storyline, I found it a book that really kept my attention all the way through, even though the horror, like I said, the horror part is a slow burn. You don't really get into the meat of it until the last third or quarter of the book. 
but it's very well written. The characters are absolutely believable. And Allie Wilkes has clearly done a lot of research about Antarctic expeditions and what goes on, what it's, what it's like to be in that kind of brutal environment and what it takes to survive. I found it a really fascinating read. So that is All the White Spaces by Allie Wilkes. I read this book too, and I loved it. It kept me enthralled all the way through it. I couldn't wait to find out what actually happened. Mm -hmm. Like the explanation of whatever was, you know, luring these people out into the frozen tundra to die. But yeah, it was, I liked it too. There are, if you look at the author's website, there is a list of trigger warnings that's as long as your arm. <laughs> oh yeah. But I mean, some of them seemed a little, I mean, if you're reading horror books, you kind of expect that there's going to be a death in them somewhere. So that's listed as one of the trigger was like, yeah, we expect death in a horror book. So <laughs> maybe, you know, if, if you're that sensitive, this may not be the book for you. It might not be a genre but, for you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Stick with your cozy mysteries. It's okay. The saddest part in there is that the, the sled dogs don't survive. Oh, <laughs> oh. Hey, that's a good, that's a good spoiler. People want to know if the dog survives. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't like that's that. That's a lot part. of people. There's a whole website. I think it's movies, but I think they do it for books. That's like, does the dog live? And you can like oh, type the yeah. movie in. You're going to see, and it'll tell you if there's a dog and if the dog lives. There are actually, um, there's a booktuber that I watch. Her name is Olivia Reads a Latte, and she references a couple websites that you can go on to look at specific trigger warnings for books and other stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, there are some websites you can. I am one of those. I can read about, you know, death and torture and all this stuff, but if there's dog torture or death, I'm out immediately. <laughs> My dad keeps saying, why don't you read Marley and me? Absolutely no, not. I know how that goes. No, I do not need that. <laughs> nope, absolutely not. Well, there's no dog death in my book, but there is people death. So warning on that. <laughs> uh, I read The Sorority Murder by Allison Brennan. And I actually saw this book at like, and I wish I could remember what the little bookstore was called, but it was a little bookstore that Lacey told me about here in town. Uh, and it's part of a coffee shop like there's literally two or three shelves of books in the coffee shop and it's just like a little mini bookstore and I should have looked it up but Lacey is probably yelling at her phone right now because I can't remember the name but it had a cool cover and I was like sorority murder as a sorority girl I'm here for this uh so we ha we start off the book three years in the past and we meet Candace and Candace is clearly distraught about something like she She's kind of like, we have to tell the truth. We have to tell. And everyone else is like, no, we really don't. Like, please stop trying to ruin our lives. And then she gets in a fight and there's like a big sorority event happening. And that is the first chapter. And at the end of that first chapter is like, this is the last time anyone saw Candace alive. And so you kick off right away with, okay, what was Candace so upset about? And who is like trying to keep her from telling whatever happened? Um, and when we first meet, in that chapter, she we find out she volunteers at a homeless shelter. One of the visitors to the center is on campus, and he's been kicked off campus multiple times. People are kind of creeped out by him. He's an alcoholic. He's just makes all the girls uncomfortable. And so they're like, he's already been told if he came back on campus that, you know, he was going to get arrested. And she's like, just give me a minute. Like, I'll get him to leave. And so everyone assumes that, you know, he got mad at her because she made him leave and he killed her. That's kind of what the everyone wants to believe and is what the police say he and he jumps on a train like he he rides the rails and disappears the day they find her body but what you quickly learned is that she was missing for a week before her body turned up but she had not been in the lake for a week the coroner's like no she died like a couple hours before she was found so then it's well, okay where where was she for a week so of course everyone's like, oh, he kidnapped her and held her and they just kind of go with that story. And there's a guy that's a freshman that year and he has three years on, his senior year has to do like his senior project and he is in criminology and he decides he's gonna do a podcast and live stream the podcast on campus and then like download it like we do and go out to whoever wants to watch it. But he does his show live and he wants to solve the case. 
and he's really persistent about it. And everyone's like, why are you so obsessed with this? He's like, I just want to know what happened because what we're getting told is not what happened. And he alludes, and I can say without giving a spoiler, like you kind of learn that like there's another motive for him because he thinks if he solves this case that he can solve another case. But you don't find out what that other case is until well into the book. So I'm not going to spoil it for you. But he says, if I can solve this, I can solve another. I can potentially solve this other case. And he goes on the podcast and he doesn't really have anything that the police don't have. But he does find out because he worked for the medical examiner. He kind of very illegally pulled up the case file. And so he does know things that he shouldn't know about her death from her autopsy. So he starts kind of telling this information, trying to trigger people's memory because he's like, if she wasn't being held somewhere and she wasn't in the lake, where was she for a week? So he keeps trying to like get people to come forward and call. And we quickly find out that the sorority, not having it. They've closed ranks. They're like, absolutely not. The advisor is like, we're not talking to you. No one talked to him. All that she's worried about is that it's going to make the sorority look bad. And she gives very, like, how I picture her, not necessarily her voice, but how I picture her is kind of like Elle Woods. She's like the all-American sorority girl, but not Elle's voice. Like, I don't know how to describe the voice I hear, but it's not Elle, but I picture her kind of looking like Elle Woods. Because every time anybody tries to talk to her, it's all, oh, this is very upsetting to my girls. And it's just really traumatizing them. And like, you just can't talk to them. That's kind of how she answers all the time. And he looks into getting a former U.S. Marshal, Reagan, to help him with his podcast because she's just moved back to the area because she has a whole backstory that doesn't really apply to this story, but there's a second book that's more about her story. Um, And her dad's friends with like the criminology professor. And that's how he kind of like drags her into this because the professor's like, you know what? You should really help my senior. You need something to do. And she skeptically goes into it and then gets really invested because she realizes that Lucas is on to something, that he is going to solve this. And of course, the sorority and people are like, no, let the police do their job. And for those of us who listen to true crime, true crime podcasts do solve crimes because you get your armchair detectives digging around and people get to talking and stuff comes out. So that's what he's hoping for. And he's kind of mapped out his plan. But as he gets too close to things, he starts getting little notes like back off, end this. Other people turn up dead that are connected to Candace and her story. So it's really just him and, and Reagan and his friend Lizzie is like his producer. And they're solving this case. Like they're uncovering all the things to put the puzzle pieces together. And I just kept thinking like that. I can never imagine my sorority advisor from college covering for us if we had done the crime that is talked about that leads to the second one. I'm just like, no sooner would Fran have been like, yes, absolutely, I'll protect you. She would have been like, take your ass down to Alliance Police Department and face your consequences. So it was kind of funny from being in a sorority and kind of picturing their advisor as our advisor and being like, Fran would have been like, oh, hell to the no. I ain't getting messed up in your shit. Go, go solve it yourself. And what's really funny is I actually texted my Rachel because her maiden name was Wegner. And that whole, her whole name is in this book. The advisor's name is, is Rachel Wegner. And I texted her and said, did one of our sorority sisters write a book about us? <laughs> like, are we in this book somewhere? Because what are the odds that your whole name <laughs> is the name of this character? So that was kind of funny. I would say solid four and a half because it does twist and turn you and how they, how the two cases link to each other and why Lucas picked Candace's case is really intriguing and really interesting. So I definitely four and a half stars, highly recommend it, especially if you're in a sorority, because you kind of can laugh at some of the things where they, you know, the sorority closed ranks and the council said no. So everyone has to do what they say. And you're kind of like, but I don't want to. So that's kind of fun and seeing who starts to break away from the sorority because they know things, but they didn't realize that they knew things until more information started coming out through the podcast. And people would call in and they would disguise their voices like she would go in and modulate their voices so you couldn't tell who they were because there was a lot of information out there that no one had known because the sorority kind of closed ranks and wouldn't talk. Um, And you find out why that is. And that was The Sorority Murder by Allison Brennan. And it was very good. I liked it a lot. Awesome. So you had sorority sisters and I had mean girls. So yeah. you had Al Woods and I had uh, 
Lindsay Lohan and who's the blonde that plays in Mean Girls? Rachel oh, McAdams. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> because that's totally who I pictured in my book was the girls from Mean Girls. Yeah. The movie. Sorority life is always entertaining to me when it's in a book because sometimes it's like spot on and other times you're like, Did, were you in a sorority when you wrote, like, you don't know any sorority girls when you wrote this book. <laughs> but because it talks about like they're planning the big party and it's the biggest party of the year and it's so stressful. <laughs> and I was like, mm, yeah, been there, done that, got the, literally got the t-shirt. I, I looked it up on Kindle because it sounds interesting, but it's a one of two. So does the first book tie up or does it continue? Like I, I think this book ties up, but the but the character of Reagan, because when I went to put it in my Goodreads, I noticed that it said one of two. And I think the second book is more about Reagan's backstory that you get a little bit of. And Reagan's the, the marshal. She's the US, formal US marshal. And so she had a traumatic thing happen to her that caused her to come back to her hometown for this story. So, so it's think, almost like a prequel. Kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's almost like a prequel, but it's like the second book. It's interesting. Your book, Vani's and mine all left opening for sequel and or already have them with, yeah. oh, with the tie-in book. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. true. Well, maybe Pat's did too. I don't know. but I would love to know more about what happens to Jonathan at the end of that book. But that's <laughs> <laughs> true. Yeah, that's true. It, what, it did end kind of open. Yeah, I, I think any, any book that has really well-drawn characters, they leave you going, okay, I would read another book about this character just to see where they go. Yeah. I mean, that is kind of the goal for an author, I think, is to get a book that could have a sequel if they want it to. Because mm -hmm. then you kind of can build like your own little universe, your own little yeah. MCU, so to speak. You know it's a good book when you finish the book and miss the characters. Yeah. The next day, you're like, man, I wonder what Joe's doing. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone's like, who's Joe? And you're like, he's a character. He's in my book. I'm just worried about him. Just a friend of mine I met in Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just worried about him. I need to know what happened. Or when you like start to feel like you're part of that world a little bit with things. It's just like, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, you just want to know more. Or you want to know, oh, okay, are they fine? Yeah, they're fine. No, they have to be. <laughs> they have mm -hmm. to be. Well, and that's how like people like Cassandra Clare have like the universe that she has because people are so invested. Even the other day, because now Jamie Campbell Bauer, since he was in Stranger Things, is everybody's favorite human right now. And so people have been going back and watching movies that he's been in because they're like obsessed. Well, City of Bones book was, the whole series is great. The City of Bones movie like was horrid. And so there's like this whole heated debate in this, like the TikTok comments of people being like, oh my God, this movie. And we're like, did you read the book? I was like, just because you're simping over Jamble, Jamie Campbell Bauer does not mean it's a good movie. <laughs> you know, I was wondering because I fell into this. Um, so one of the big things in true crime lately has been, you know, Evan Peters as Jeffrey Dahmer. And then the Dahmer tapes were dropped yeah. not long after that. I will say this. I thought Evan Peters was really good, but I did. I don't love the freedoms that they take, like with certain things, because obviously there are a lot of inaccuracies in that. But yeah. Um, the Dahmer tapes are really good. But with those two things coming out, again, I fell into this. I bought Lionel Dahmer's book when I yeah. was in the midst of that, right? Because I had forgotten that he had written that book and wondered if it was still in print. And sure enough, it is. And yeah. I bought a hardcover of it. And I was thinking to myself, I wonder what that'll do for like his book sales, because it wasn't, oh, I'm sure it didn't do well initially, but I'm curious to see now that it's, you know, back in sort of the limelight and he's still alive. He and his wife, Sherry, are both still alive. Yes. Um, I'm, I was curious because like I said, I fell into it and I was like, well, I want to read his book. And so I'd be curious to see what happens with those book sales. Um, well, and I wonder if the proceeds still go to the families or if that like has run out. That, that wasn't true. Oh, that wasn't true. See, but again, that's what I don't like about when series take like liberties with an actual true story within yeah. things. Now it is true that there were business, a businessman and several business yes. owners and things that bought all of his stuff and did donate the proceeds with things like that. But I mean, Lionel's book didn't really make any money. I don't, I don't think. And I mean, it was interesting to me because like, I like true crime and I hadn't read that book. And I thought, you know, that'd be interesting to know 
his yeah. point of view because I have that I've actually watched interviews with Dahmer and with Lionel and kind of knowing that he wanted to write the book as some sort of like reflection on what did I do wrong or what did I yeah. miss type of thing and like I said I was still really shocked it was still in print yeah that's or did they put it back in print knowing that the show was coming out and they were like we're gonna capitalize yeah. on this I don't know. And the, it's still the same cover because I had seen um, an original copy kind of yeah. with that and everything. So I, but I wanted a hardcover of it just because I don't know, I've shifted as I've gotten older to where I don't mind a hardcover book now. And I love hardcover books. Yeah, and I know. If you if you find any information, let me know. because I will. I I'd be curious. So. I bet. I bet it did. I bet that it increased sales. I was looking at Bonnie like, feed me wench <laughs> pay attention to me mom she's like My what are you doing is... i don't like when you crochet you can't pet me and crochet look at her <laughs> paw at you she's like stop that stop doing the thing what she does when i'm not petting her yeah <laughs> do. abby does that too she hates it when i read too if she wants attention she'll like get in front of my book and i'm like oh okay yes, i'm done <laughs> i just see like echo's nose and then a paw like attacking yeah, right here <laughs> careful echo or she'll crochet you a vest like i crocheted for charlie and you'll be sorry <laughs> <laughs> she has one of those vests i don't think it fits her anymore <laughs> I was saying, i'm pretty sure she's done that. But I don't think Echo would kill me in my sleep, would you? Who would feed you? You would. <laughs> yeah, after I was dead. Oh, <laughs> the first thing she would eat is my ears, I'm sure. Wouldn't you? <laughs> eat my ears. And then she'll write a tell-all book and we'll review it. And all her relatives will change their name. I don't know who that crazy bitch is. Like those squirrels that attacked that pumpkin. Like, I, I just actually, saw the picture of that. They annihilated that thing. I feel like we need a like a ring camera to like catch that in the act because I am intrigued by or, the squirrels. If you have any enemies, just put a pumpkin over their head and leave them passed out on the porch. Oh my god! Problem solved. <laughs> <laughs> the murderous squirrels will take them away. And I think that's gonna do it for. Three Book Girls. Can't get enough of Three Book Girls? Check them out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow them on TikTok, YouTube, and check out their website at threebookgirls.com. And join the group Three Book Girls Tribe on Facebook. If you really love them, share the podcast with a friend or join them at one of their live events. Three Book Girls, a Steel Trap production.